morning's been really good. Whew, I have really enjoyed this. We're, uh, we're going to finish up with Jonah uh, you know, this morning. So how many of y'all have liked studying Jonah? You've, you've liked it? Okay, so you're going to miss it? Maybe not? Well, just wait until you hear this message. I, uh, this series, and just simply uh, you know, being with and going through Jonah... For me and for the guys that meet with me on Tuesdays, started, what guys, two months ago? About two months ago. So they're like, Pastor, we're really ready to be over with. Uh, David would tell you, uh, you know, he's like, I don't like Jonah. And I'm like, but David, there's a lot to learn from Jonah. He goes, that's why I don't like Jonah. One of the things that that I kind of really got is, is that there's, there's a lot of Jonah in each and every one of us. So today, whenever we're looking at Jonah and we're in this fourth chapter of Jonah, it gives us this title, you know, that it's the angry shade lover and the cattle saving God. Okay, now that might seem kind of funny, but you know, God said that he was going to destroy the Ninevites. And you remember, whenever he went through with that message, what did the Ninevites do to their animals? They also, they made their animals fast as well. You know, so the animals wore burlap or they wore something that made them even more uncomfortable than standing out there in the hot desert sun. And they weren't able to drink or to eat for this period of time. Uh, you know, throughout this whole study and whenever we got into this fourth chapter there were some things that we kept on talking about. If you notice in chapter or in verse, I, I think it's going to be somewhere around verse 3. After Jonah is upset with God because God is now going to, um, he's forgiven the Ninevites. And God asked Jonah, he goes, do you have the right to be angry? Jonah doesn't answer. Then you go down and you look in the ninth verse where God sends the worm and the worm eats the plant, the leafy plant that was given Jonah shade. God comes back to Jonah and he asks Jonah, he goes, Jonah, do you have the right to be angry about this plant dying? And Jonah answers, yes. Do you find that strange? That Jonah is angry with God. Because the plant grew without any of his help. Jonah didn't even plant the seed. Jonah didn't even water the plant. It just sprouted up and had nice big leaves to shade him. I, I kind of laughed at the guys and stuff last week, uh, you know, because I told them, I said, you know, we, all, we, we understand that Jonah's not a carpenter because he built a shade, but it wasn't good enough. So God had to send a plant to provide the shade. That's not a very good carpenter. Y'all, that's supposed to be funny. The guys at the shop, they laughed. So we think about this. Anger. Have any of you ever been angry at God? Angry at God? Yeah. Let me tell you a little story. Personal story. Peggy and I, we accepted the call to Meridian, Mississippi to pastor this little church. We get there to this little church and my first Sunday morning that I was there, I met the district superintendent for the very first time. So here I am, first 
pastorate, lead pastorate position to ever be in. I meet the district superintendent 10 minutes before I'm supposed to preach to a congregation that I've never met. So do you think I was just a little nervous? Just a little nervous. So we made it through the message and then we had the dinner and uh, you know, Dr. Mason came to me after we had the dinner and he said, John, he said, uh, you know, the board just voted unanimously to call you as their pastor. He said, but I don't want an answer right now. He said, you go home and you pray about it for two weeks. And he said, I'll call you back. Well, anyway, we took the call. Okay, so we moved there. And, uh, you know, I think it was six months into the ministry. Uh, you know, God was really blessing us. And we had grown from about 20 to about 45, almost 50 people. Had a gentleman that had came into the church and that was great with music. Uh, you know, any of y'all know, uh, you know, that much about the three, uh, you know, um, uh, it's Seventh-day Adventists, uh, you know, but he was part of their music group and production that did their TV broadcast every single week. He had musical talents galore. We already had a great praise and worship team, but he played the piano beautifully. He began to work with our praise and worship team, and they had music lined up, and he would come in on a Wednesday night, and he would have chord charts that he had designed for music for them to do Sunday. Man, things were going really good. Then I get this phone call. Brother Tommy's in the hospital, and he's had a stroke. I remember that Saturday evening coming into the church to kind of finish up and do some prayer preparation. And I looked up at the ceiling and I said, God, I can't believe you did this. No, it's not what I did. I looked up at the ceiling of the church and I shouted at the top of my lungs. I said, God, I can't believe you did this. Your church is growing. We have new people coming into this church. Your spirit is flourishing. And now you're taking an intricate part away from this church. I was angry. I was upset. I was upset because I thought that something, that there was an injustice or an injustice that was done to me and to the church by God. The thing about this anger is, is that we have it. Unjust anger is that you feel unrightly treated by someone or something that's above you. So how many of us have ever walked through our life and whenever something bad came along, at the moment that we are doing our absolute best to follow God and to do everything that He wants for us to do, and then the walls begin to cave in, how many of us run to the altar and praise God for the chaos? We blame God for the chaos. We blame God for the hurt. Why? Because we believe that it's an injustice that's been done to us. We see that in Jonah. We see that Jonah is full of unrighteous anger. Now get it, unrighteous. Because 90% of our anger comes because we expect one thing to happen and something different happens. How many of us love God? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. God, my neighbors, last night, I, you know, I can't believe, you know, they threw a party. You know, there was so much alcohol 
that was at that party. Uh, you know, that you could have filled up a swimming pool. They were so loud until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. God, why didn't you do something to them? Oh, what about the next week whenever they drive up in a new car? Right? Come on, let's, let's be honest. Don't just stare at your pastor like you, you know, like you in, in the headlights. Because I know that we're here. We've been there. You might even be there right now. We really want bad things to happen to bad people. We want good things to happen to good people. Whenever it doesn't, we get upset. How many of you? How many of you wonder about Darren and Joanne? They've been faithful to this church. They clean God's house. They tithe even whenever they don't have the money. Darren's been running this, you know, the sound booth, uh, you know, for us. Why the, all this cancer? Why all this struggle? Good things are supposed to happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. We find through Jonah, Jonah looks at this, and Jonah takes God right to the brink with this. Jonah's problem is, is that he doesn't like the characteristics of God. Do you like what Jonah says? I told you before I left to Tarsus that you would do this. Do you get Jonah's tone of voice? Look it up in the passage of Scripture. There's explanation points there, which means that he's loud, which means that he's angry. He says, God, I told you that you would do this before you even did it. How dare you have mercy on these people? This is the Ninevites. These are the people that's been tormenting and killing your people. They've been raiding city after city. Killing people, cutting their heads off, and you're going to have mercy on them? But through this, Jonah also shows us that our unrighteous anger will bring us to a point that we don't want to live with God. Have you been there? Might be close. I, I don't know if I've ever been where Jonah's at. Jonah is so mad at God that he says, I'm just going to go out here on this side of the city, and I'm going to watch and see if you're going to change. And if you're going to change your mind, then I'm going to, be, I'm going to jump up and shout and scream for joy. But if you're not, I'm just going to sit here and die. There again, we go back to chapter 2, whenever Jonah and the sailors are struggling against this storm. And Jonah tells the people, this is, what, this is all you have to do is throw me overboard. God gave the sailors and Jonah the opportunity to repent. Jonah is sitting here underneath this shade and he is so angry at God that he had rather die than to continue living on this planet. God is saying, Jonah, I am showing you my love and my mercy. Do you not want it? He says, if that's the God, no, I don't want it. Because you're not the God that I think you should be. I think therein lies the problem. He's not the God that we want Him to be. So whenever we look at the struggles in our lives, they don't happen the way that we thought they should. Unjust anger stirs in our lives. The problem with the unjust anger that stirs within our lives is it takes us further and further away from God Unless we are truly asking God to show us truly who He is. 
If the only God that we want to worship is the one that's in our minds, it's not a very big God, and it's not a good God for us to be following. He says that my ways are higher and greater than your ways. It says that you can't understand all the things that there is about me. It says I have greater things planned for you than what you could ever imagine. But yet whenever things don't go the way that we think they should, we have issues with them. Whenever God causes bad things to happen to good people, we question. I, I watched a movie last night. And, uh, you know, this gentleman that was one of the actors that was on there, he, he's talking to a, a priest. And he says, where was God during Vietnam War whenever we saw all of those people being killed? Where was God whenever they flew the planes into the buildings? Where was God? Whenever these children are starving to death. God wasn't acting the way that he thought God should act. He figured that if God was God, then there shouldn't be any pain here on this earth. There shouldn't be anybody that's hungry. It should be always be peaceful. There shouldn't be any wars. I imagine at some point in time in his warped mind frame, you know, that he thought that there shouldn't be any death. Later on in the movie, he looks at the priest again and he says, you know, he says, if there really is a God, why doesn't he come down to this earth and talk to us? And the priest looked at him and said, oh, he already did that. He said, yes, I know with Jesus. But what about somebody that was real? You see the warped mindset? If we can't allow God to be God, then that's who we reduce him to. We reduce God to being just really nothing. You know, so... How do we deal with this anger? How are we supposed to handle all of this stuff? Well, Jonah doesn't show us the right way. I just want to let you know. Jonah shows us how not to deal with it. You know, we, we have to come to a point that we allow God to be whoever God needs to be. That whenever he asks us to uh, give a message... We need to allow that message to be. Whenever he wants us to change something in our lives, we need to change what he wants to be changed in our lives. So let's look at struggles. There again, if, if we are going to allow God to be God, in our struggles, we do what? We have joy in our hearts and we praise him. If we see someone else struggling... What do we do? Have compassion, love, and mercy. If we see someone bad, having good things happen to them, what do we do? He's in worship with them. We're like, yes, man, that is great. I am glad God is allowing you to experience this. If there's someone that's doing good, that's going through a struggle, what do we do? Kind of like we did this morning, like we did this morning. We gather around them and we lift them up. And we hold them up in prayer. Kelly, I went and visited Susan and Kelly you know, after Susan's surgery. Uh, by the way, she's recovering well. She's, surgery went good, and she's recovering. Uh, you know, it's fun. So you, No, you shouldn't go visit them. But she has a button, and it's a, it's a no button. And it says no the first time you hit it. And it says no, 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 no the next time you hit it. And eventually it will go, you know, it will get to no, absolutely not. 
Uh, you know, so it has a bunch of different things. And, and Susan is about to wear that thing out because Kelly just can't get the, the charades part down. Uh, you know, so she sends him text messages. There you go. So you can't have phones and stuff at the table while you're eating. But to have a decent conversation with them two now, you have to have cell phones. To, where was I going with that? Oh, Kelly told me something, didn't he? Hmm. Maybe I should have stuck to my notes. <laughs> you know, our unrighteous anger can get us to that point to where we'd rather die than to live with God doing that. But our unrighteous anger can cause us to hope that our God would do bad things to people that need mercy, that need love. See, it's our unrighteous anger that we get so involved in and so engrossed with that we lose sight of God actually being a merciful God and a loving God because He's not acting with love and with mercy in the way that we think He should. You know, so whenever we think about mercy, mercy is something that, that is given to us that's unmerited. But mercy is something that is given to us that's unmerited that actually has tangible properties to it. So for God to show mercy to someone other than an Israelite, that would really create an issue because God had a covenant with the Israelites and God's covenant with the Israelites was is that he would provide for them and he would protect them and he would bless them but whenever God shows mercy to the Ninevites God's now taking the covenant with the Israelites and he is now giving it to the Ninevites he is taking something that is supposed to be for his children and he's giving it to his non-children. Did y'all get that change? We get upset because God shows mercy on people that we don't think deserves to be mercy or to have mercy. And that is because they're not his children. Well, who created everybody? So everybody's God's children, right? Okay. I just wanted to check and make sure. Just wanted to check. Because see, us as Christians, we can get uprighteous and and we can forget that we were once one of those unknowns that we were once one of those that that God had to show mercy on us because we couldn't make it where we were Jonah a prophet of God is sitting in the desert so angry at God so angry at him that he'd rather die than to allow the Ninevites to have some of God's mercy are we so righteous that we don't want the outside people to have God's mercy? Unrighteous anger can make us miss the opportunity of being merciful the way that God is truly merciful. We have to be willing to allow God to be God and to show mercy to whoever he wants to show mercy to. To show grace on whoever he wants grace to be bestowed upon. We cannot allow our anger at God to keep us from being the people that he needs for us to be. There is a whole lot of things that happen in our lives that we feel are unjust to us. 
there's, there's things in our lives that we feel are unjust that, uh, you know, we're just, we're just like, well, okay, God, I, I don't think that was right, but I'm going to continue on. And there's things that we deem that's unrighteous and that shouldn't have happened that we get a little bit ruffled or more ruffled at the feathers in our lives. One of the things that ruffles my feathers more than anything else, more than anything else, is whenever I struggle with something that I've already had victory over. Are you with me? There's a sin that constantly pops up in your life. There's a temptation that Satan constantly you know, throws at you. And you go four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months, no problem. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man, I did it again. Man, I get so angry. I had a conversation with Renee and Marcus after the prayer meeting Thursday. I got so angry afterwards. I said, God, my filter just fell apart. You know, we're supposed to have righteous tongues, and we're supposed to speech, speak righteous things. My filter fell apart. I was so angry. Like, I should be better than that. That shouldn't have happened. Now, this is kind of a different anger than what Jonah was, but it's still an anger that could keep God from being God. That could keep us from actually seeing this and learning from this. That could keep us from the fact that God shows me mercy whenever I see someone else do something like that. I have to show mercy. Let's go in and let's kind of bring out this brothers and sisters. If you have a brother or sister, you know that they can nag you, right? They can do a lot of things to get underneath your skin. We have to have mercy. You have brothers and sisters in this church, and sometimes they do things that really get you. We have to have mercy on them. We have to forgive them. We have to love them. We can't be so righteous to say, how in the world are you still struggling with that? Have I not hit you upside the head with the righteous stick enough times? How many of you have a righteous stick? Okay, thank you for being honest. The ones that kind of said yes. Today, we, can't, we cannot miss Jonah's anger in chapter 4. Jonah's anger in chapter 4 is an unrighteous and an unjust anger. It kept Jonah from a relationship with God. If it was up to Jonah, it would have kept the Ninevites from mercy. Thank God it wasn't up to Jonah because we have a God that is a plant-growing God that shows mercy on whoever he wants to show mercy because Jonah didn't deserve it. But we also have a God, and there again, I want you to go back and I want you to look at the terminology and at the language in this passage of Scripture because God appointed the plant to grow. God appointed the worm to eat the plant. God appointed an east wind to come and blow on Jonah. God is in control, regardless of what we think. God will be God, regardless of how we try to manipulate him into being the God that we want him to be. Jonah tried it with his anger, and God said, that's okay. You can sit there and you can be mad and I'll give you this plant. Jonah was still mad. So then God said, okay, I have, I'm going to try this here. I'm, gonna, I'm still trying to teach you. So he sends the worm. The worm eats the plant. And the plant withers. And God comes to Jonah again and he says, are you angry? Jonah says, yes. God says, why? 
You had absolutely nothing to do with that plant. I grew it. I killed it. You had absolutely nothing to do with it. And then God talks about the 120,000 people that's in Nineveh. They're his people. They're his children. He created them. He has everything to do with them. Everything. He says, I will show mercy on who I want to show mercy on. You just simply need to allow me to be God. And we have to understand, there again, we have to understand that God's in control. So whenever we wake up in the morning and we take a breath, we know that it's given by God. Whenever we drive to work, if you work, you drive to work and you get there safely, it's by the grace of God. Whenever you get home and you're still breathing and you go to bed, it's by the grace of God. God is God and he's going to do what he wants to do. He just wants for us to join in with him. And dare I say, to hang on and have a ball with this life that he has given to us. Because whenever we see the plant, we get this understanding that we have absolutely, positively no authority on the things that happen in our lives. A little side note, that's why a lot of people don't want to become a Christian. Because they don't want to turn over control of their lives. They have this false assurance that if I'm not a Christian, then I'm in control of everything that happens in my life. God has been in control of everything that has happened to Jonah from the moment he said no. Actually, he had control over his life even before then. But we get to read about it in this book because God sent the storm. God's the one that revealed to the sailors that it was Jonah that was the storm because Jonah was running from God Almighty. It was God that sent the fish to swallow Jonah right at that point in time, right before Jonah took his last breath and the gates of death closed over him. It was God's mercy that was shown upon the Ninevites whenever they repented of their sins and he didn't destroy them. It was God that grew the, you know, that sent, you know, that grew the plant. It was God that sent the worm to eat and kill the plant. It was God that sent the wind. God is God. And he's going to do what God wants to do. Whew. Man, I wish I had a rope that would drop down from the ceiling. Because God says, here's your life. Here I am. Dare I say it again? We go to the Shema. He says, if you hang on to me, I'll provide for you and I will protect you. I will bless you and you will have a life of abundance. But you have to hold on to me. And you have to allow me to be me. That's like those people on YouTube out there at the beach that has those big kites and a gust of wind comes and picks them up off the, off the ground and kind of takes them wherever. Man, that's a rush. See that? Wow. I'm getting it. I, I would really like to begin to, you know, to, ooh, I'm 10 minutes past. But we have to understand this. Uh, you know, there's, you know, we need to be excited. I, you know, I'm beginning to, to get to feel tingles, uh, you know, because the thing about this is, is that whenever we truly realize who God is, that we have joy regardless of what's going on in our lives, that whenever we wake up in the morning, whenever we wake up in the morning, guess what? We have no clue on what God has for us that day. Absolutely no clue. So what do we do? We say, okay, God, I'm going to hang on for dear life and I'm excited about what you have for me today. I don't know what it is, but I know that it's something better than I could ever imagine. 
It's something better than I could ever plan for myself. I'm just going to hang on. Uh, You know, see, that's that rope idea that just simply came down. Just hang on and let him take you wherever he wants you to go. Because I tell you, where he wants to go is a whole lot better than where we could ever plan for ourselves. What he has for us is better than this world could ever, ever give to us. Even in our worst days, it's better than what the world has for us. Even in our worst moments, it's better than Satan would ever think about giving to us. Hang on. We need to be excited. I don't know of anybody, of anybody that would be able to grab a hold of that rope or that that kite and it jerk you up off the ground. About five or ten feet up in there. I'll let y'all go about five or ten feet up in the air. That's not all that bad. But I don't know of any of you that wouldn't start shouting and screaming. Amen? We'd start shouting and screaming because we're searching for that ground. But I want us to start shouting and screaming because he's got a place for us to go. And it's a whole lot better than where we are right now. Trust in him. Take a hold. He wants you to go. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. For dismissal. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. How, you know, God, as we look into this, dear Lord, I pray, God, today, how, you know, that your face would shine upon us, and God, that your blessings from heaven will be poured out. God, I pray that you will be with each one this week. In Jesus' name, amen.